Welcome to the Property CEO Podcast, your inside track to the world of property with your hosts, Ian Child and Richie Clapson. Hello and welcome to the Property CEO Podcast. My name's Ian Child and I'm here with Mr. Richie Clapson. Hello everyone. And Mr. Mike Sandu from SC Architecture. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. And how are you today? Not too bad, thank you. And today we're going to be talking about architecting, aren't we? Architecture. Architecting. Architecting, that's what I call it. And um, Mike, as you said, from SC Architecture, what Um, brings you here today? Well, I've been invited by Richie, um, who was stalking me from that period of time. <laughs> right, that's, that's, you're not unique, actually. We've heard this story from several people. Stalk, you've got to stalk people. If you right. want them to do something for you, you've got to stalk them. And how, this, stalk how you? did this stalk no, uh, we, we just kept bumping into each other at different um, networking events from property-related to business right. networking. But the police event. do call that stalking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was sort of hiding in the bushes, <laughs> just sort of sneaking around. We did, funny enough, though, did, didn't we? We went to, I think you came to a presentation that we were talking at, that's right. Uh, and then uh, I think then the following week or somewhere we were somewhere else and then Mike walked in and then there were somewhere else in a completely different town. I, I didn't know that actually this is one of the contractor friends that we work with, that Mike knew him. And uh, then, then Mike's there and I walk in and he sort of turns around and gives wow. me a double take and sort of shrugs his shoulders and thinks, oh, claps back going again. Yeah. <laughs> I've stopped going out now because I'm getting a reputation. For <laughs> as a serial stalker. But Richie, you know SC Architecture for quite a while, I mean. Oh, uh, yeah, I mean, 20 years back, I think, Simeon Cox started. Or That's something. right, with Alan Stevens. That's it. I mean, I knew them, yeah, 20 odd years ago. So, um, yeah, that makes me quite old, doesn't it? But uh, you It does. Put, that was uh, the point I was trying to get to. But, yeah, well, thanks very much. Well, you've brought that out in and just, you're going to upset me, frankly. You're going to upset me about that. But now, I mean, Mike, you run the business with Mark and you've That's been right. running the business now for... Since 2012. Fantastic. And the other thing that I've noticed is that you both have an interest in cars. In fact, not just an interest in cars, you both change your cars about as frequently as you change your pants. <laughs> well, once it needs hoovering, that's it, yeah. Yeah, that's, you know, that's what I say, Mike, absolutely. If your car needs hoovering, you've got to change it. It's not right, you, though, is it? it, is, it's, it is it's, right. That's absolutely what, right. What, I mean, what is it? Is it something in the water? Is it something... Well, I, why do you need to change your car every five minutes? I just get bored with it, I'll be honest with you. Right. It just You spend so much time in a car, just want to change. Okay. Short attention span, you see. Ah. I was actually talking to my wife the weekend, and I was talking about... I subtly... Uh, I bring it in. I just subtly talk about cars. And I was talking about... You know, I, I keep talking about getting another, another S-Class Mercedes. And I've had mine now. My car I've had for three months so right. the the mats are filthy it really is you know I've, I've had croissants and all sorts in there so there's stuff everywhere so I said to my wife I said oh I was just looking at the um, the S-classes again I said this one just gone by she said you're not changing your car I said well I'm just thinking about it you know I'm just having a, having but a look but I think that is, the, that is the, the start of the slippery slope I've got first hand experience of this I know exactly how it works out you, you mention it once and yeah. then two weeks go by and then you mention it again and then before you know it, then there's the whole test drive thing, and then there's the uh, sharing it with your wife thing, and then there's it's on the driveway. Yeah, I do do a few test drives. Do you like test driving? Mark? No, I just take the number plates off the car, and that that's an indication that I'm going to change a car. And uh, have you taken your number plate off your car recently? I have taken my number plate. When did you do that? 
um, over the weekend. Over the weekend. So you are about to change your car within the All next right. month. You heard it I here first. Oh. I will be, yes. <laughs> so tell me, I, I'm, I'm absolutely certain, that, Ian, you'll be surprised at this. Um, so Mike drives a BMW, I think, at the moment. Oh, I do. Um, quite, a, quite a big BMW. Is it an X6? Six, six, that's right. And Mike is almost certainly, and I don't. he hasn't told me this, almost certainly Mike's looking to buy an Audi TT like me. No. Right. I mean, no. I think that was quite. Uh, that was yeah. I think it was quite definite about that. It seemed to be for some reason. Is that um, because the association between a car and a trade? Are you thinking that Audi TT and architecting isn't quite the? the it's sort not. Of, it's not going to go. It's no. not, is it? No. no. I don't know. What, what would you be thinking? Audi TT and I don't know. Someone working with scissors, maybe. Okay. Mike, yeah, no, I could, Mike, I could see you that. can go off people really quickly. I could see that. Yeah, I preferred the business. I preferred SC Architecture 20 years ago when Simeon was there. I think uh, I got on with him much better. I've gone off Mike. I did like Mike up to about five minutes ago when he said my car now is a hairdresser's car. It's, what, a, it's a nice colour, though. Oh, it's a nice colour. So oh, what did you have oh, 20 years, you. What did you have 20 years ago? Was it like a 2CV or something? What did I have 20 years ago? Do you know, I don't know. It's been quite a few cars since then, but, um, yeah, 20 years. I don't know what I was driving 20 years ago. Probably had my first S class twenty years ago, <laughs> so that's why I want to have another have another one. So is that the, that's the next one in the fleet? Is it? Yeah, I quite I quite like another one. Um, okay. and my wife, but my it went by, and my wife said, "You know what she said? Boring." I said, "It's not boring." That's a point, though. She's got you a don't point. like them, do you? No, no, no. He no. doesn't like Mercedes. Well, you want a car with a bit of character, and you know, it's it's a kind of luxo barge, isn't it? I, I was actually thinking of keeping the TT and buying a Mercedes S class alongside it. Right. But you you haven't got any more room for any more cars. You I have. have in I fact, have there room. aren't any more days in the week. <laughs> I, have, I have room for cars. How many cars do you have, Mike? Just the one. No way. You need to improve on that. This right. this is bad. You run your own business and you only have one car. I do. Just one car. Yeah. I've got young children now. And? <laughs> yeah, let's not go there. Yeah. That didn't seem to stop some people yeah. from uh, having a fleet. I only have three at the moment. So I feel if I got, if I got the S-Class, I could have four. That you would got three cars. That, you, you're delusional. You've got way more than three cars. No, only three. You've, you, there's only three cars that you use. Yeah, just three. <laughs> that's all. And if I got the Merc, that'd be four. And I think that'd be a, that's a good number. You need one more. One for every day of the week, then. Well, five. Yeah. There's actually seven days in a week. I don't know if you yeah. noticed yeah. that. You learn, you learn something every day, don't you? <laughs> yeah, five so. days a week. <laughs> <laughs> and in this episode, what we're actually going to be discussing with Mike, not cars... Disappointingly, okay. not for 30 minutes, but actually, we're going to be talking about five things that uh, most developers well, can quite often get wrong when it comes to engaging with an architect, Mike, isn't it? Correct. And Richie, you've probably come across some of these things uh, before. In fact, you've probably been guilty of doing most of them. Would that be fair, Mike? He looks like the sort of... Uh, I don't know what they are yet, so I'm, uh, <laughs> I, I, let me say yes almost certainly, just before Mike says yes, you are. <laughs> Yes, you are. <laughs> yes, you are. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I'm guessing I will be. But um, yeah, I mean, let's have let's have a chat through five things that maybe developers do wrong and where they could improve. Do you want to? What's the first one, Mike, on your list? Um, well, I'd say not engaging with an architect at an early stage. I think it's very, very important to get an architect on board. Yep. From day one, when you're thinking about the idea, before you've bought the site, bought the plot, whatever. Your architect is your best friend in this project. And and so so a lot of us as developers, we'd be looking at that and we'd be thinking, okay, yeah, I, I could ring up SC Architecture. Um, I could have a chat with them, but uh, I don't want to spend any fees at this stage because I'm just looking at this site. At what stage? Because as a developer, we put a lot of stuff in a funnel. 
we, we, we put 100 projects in to get one out of the back end that we're going to do. So we can't commission you for 100 projects. We can't ask a favour for you to look at 100 projects. Obviously, there's a stage we go down through that. But at what point do you think it's really useful for, for a developer to come and talk to you as an architect? When you're serious about buying a site. You know, you're, you're trying to build a relationship with an architect. Yep. And like you always say, the win-win situation, the architect wants you to buy the site. Obviously, it's fees for him eventually. Yeah. So a lot of architects will look at sites. Yep. And you build a relationship with the architect and they will guide you and assist in you to, um, you know, looking at sites that are viable to buy. But are we going to be in for big fees? This is the problem. If, Not if... at early stages. Not if you're looking at buying sites. If you've, if you've got a relationship with the architect, he will help you and you wouldn't be looking at fees. It's almost you're looking at um, sites speculatively. So I'm guessing what we're saying there then, from a point about building up a relationship, if you're a brand new developer, you, you, you've got to get past first base. But let's say, uh, and I'm guessing you've got this experience, you've got a developer that's worked with SC Architecture, you've, you've done a couple of projects with them, they now have got a third site, you're saying you'll, 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 you'll look at that uh, to an extent and give them a bit of advice for free almost yeah. uh, because you've got a relationship there. That's right. But if we're going to be brand new, so I come to you as a brand new developer, yep. you know, I, I look up your details after this podcast on the show notes and I, and I ring you up, um, you, you, you don't know me, you've never done any work with me, you're going to charge me. But is that going to be expensive or is that a nominal sort of fee? It's a nominal fee, but yeah. what you'd be paying there may save you lots of money down the line. And uh, would it perhaps be the difference of me being able to maybe buy that site or That's not right. buy that site? Do you think? It would make a massive difference because the information we could possibly give you, like policy notes of you know potentially what you could develop on that site, may be the difference between you buying that site and walking away from that site. And it's generally that uh, exercise, Mike. Is that a bit of a desktop exercise for you, or do you often find yourself going out on site with developers and having a look before they've made that investment? Okay, so now with Google Maps, we don't need to leave the office. The magic of Google Maps. The magic of Google Maps, yeah. Where, In the olden we days, we used to walk out and go and physically look at sites, but now, it's, as long as we've got the postcode with Street View, we're pretty, pretty much able to do most of it off the, um, on a desktop. Fantastic. So it shouldn't, shouldn't take long no. for a developer to basically have that initial conversation with you and then get some some very direct feedback. And a lot of architects as well, I mean, I, I think your firm has the ability to do this. Um, some some clearly don't. But a lot of architects have the ability to, to comment on the planning implications as well because there's some architects out there that don't. They're much more purely technical based and they will just design out what you've actually got planning permission for and quite often you know a, a lot of our students particularly have planning consultants on board but i'm guessing for a lot of the stuff which is not too controversial you you can cover all of that can't you yeah pretty much so we can help you guide you through the planning process and also advise you on the local policy so you're not going for overdevelopment which is quite an, another common issue that developers as they're starting out they're constantly pushing the boundaries so, so let's come, we'll come back to that one in a minute, but I'm just interested in this point. So if I came to you then as a new developer, you, you might be able to help me with the, with the planning implications uh, of what the local council might accept or not accept, uh, and also the sort of space planning of what I could get on this site physically from an architectural point of view. I'm guess, guessing as well, if we needed a planning consultant, some real specialist advice, do, do you have those that you would yes, recommend? Yes, we, we can in? draw in, yeah. So we've got a whole professional team, and it's not just planning consultants. You know, from structural engineers, we can put your design team together for you. 
So quite often, I mean, that's an interesting point for a lot of people uh, uh, say to us, and actually when we're out talking at events, sometimes people say to us, yeah, but where do I start? Mm. I've got to put a design team together. We get this, don't we, in a quite lot. a bit. And yeah. Then they say, well, 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 where do I start? And quite often we'd say, well, okay, the two key people you could start with, one could be a project manager who could bring the team together for you or an architect. And an architect's are very often lead consultants. And, and so if I came to you as a complete new developer, you'll be able to introduce me to structural engineers, interior designers. Arboriculturalists, mm. um, you name it, ecologists that sometimes are required. Yep. And pretty much the whole design team. So almost, almost a one-stop shop. But these are all independent to you. They're not yeah, all they're in your all, they're not, Yeah, we, we, I say we partner with guys, but we do pick and choose. You know, yeah. some, some structural engineers may not be right for this particular project, yep. but we do have a black book with a number of people in it. Excellent. So, so if we come to our architect, as you say, they like to have a little black book, and they can bring us people that they've worked with. Uh, we can interview them with you, yeah. and you can steer and guide us on that. I think that's a really important point, actually, because a lot of people think yeah. at the outset that uh, I'm going to need 20 people on my professional team, and I don't know any of them. But actually, uh, if you can get even into two or three key people that you build those relationships with, that you actually do your due diligence on to make sure that they've got a good reputation, then they're the ones that can then lead you uh, by default into those other relationships. Correct. And, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a great case in point. So you said key, one of your key ones is get your architect on board early. And, and a lot of architects, probably similar to you out there, would be willing to, to do something for a fairly nominal fee because you right. say they want you to win the project as, That's as right. much as yeah. you do. Can I just ask one question on that, Mike? What would you be expecting a developer to present to you at that initial conversation? Um, okay, so um, in previous cases, we've literally had estate agent details sent to us, right? postcodes where they don't want their thinking of making an offer on a site and nobody knows about it so very like loose yeah very sketchy information if you were going to give somebody some advice as to what you'd ideally like them to bring you bearing in mind that they've not yet committed to the projects they probably won't have done chapter and verse on everything what would you like to see that pretty much covers it as long as we've got a site address because we can do the searches on the planning portal to see what else has been done in the area and that will give them a good guidance of if they're likely to get planning permission. Okay. And, and then an idea from them as to what it is they're looking to... What they're looking, yeah. And then we out. would help them tease out a brief. We would tease out a brief with them. Fantastic. If they're, they're new to the whole planning thing. Yeah. Brilliant. So a completely new green developer could come to you and you could steer and guide them through the whole That's thing. That's right. Equally, if we're a little bit more experienced and we've done a bit of our own sort of block planning, we think we want to get five houses on this site, you'll better look at it and say, no, you're it's not going to happen. Yeah. not going to happen. Or, or actually, you can get seven. Yeah. So you, you'll, you'll better look at that and actually take our broad brush block planning and, That's right. and develop it out. Okay, the, the, you, you alluded to uh, a point about developers pushing for overdevelopment. Is that, what, is that perhaps your second point? That is, they're kind of interlinked, but that is always one that comes up, the developers, because it's all figures-based. You know, the buying the We want to make profit. We That's do want to make We want to buy we, a new car. We do want to make profit. Um, but that is always, you know, this is what I want. For, for this site to work, it's got to be seven flats or seven units. It's not always going to happen. Yep. yep. It's not always going to happen. And, you know, we say, sometimes do say, right, 
Let's go for the Rolls Royce. We'll put it in for planning, knowing that you're going to get knocked back. But you've so, got to make that compromise. I mean, I guess that's the difficulty here is, I mean, what we don't need is we don't need someone blagging to us and telling us that uh, we're going to get what we want. We proceed with it and we don't. But, of course, we are always trying to push the envelope as developers because sometimes right. we're trying to outbid someone else on the site uh, to get it. So we're trying to maximise the number of units. But I'm guessing what you're saying here, this goes back, as you say, hand in hand with getting you on early. We want the truth. So if we, if the only way this site works was with seven houses or, you know, with 10 flats in or whatever, and there's no way we can get it, we best know that st- straight out of the blocks almost. Pretty much. And we're quite upfront and honest and we'll, you know, tell you that you're, you're pushing the boundaries too far. Yeah. You know, we can't decide ourselves. We can just give you a judgment on what, what's going to happen based on what's happened in the area. So this might not be that we can't physically get it on the site from a planning sort of space planning point of view yep. this is your years and years of experience coming into play here in your firm with all your you know your colleagues in there saying no in our experience it's and looking at planning policy you're not going to get it through planning pretty much yeah because it's an overdevelopment from planning point of view that's right and i guess you get quite familiar with the like a planning consultant would with what happens in your area you get to know that's the right. way in which the, yeah the, the planning guys think uh, what what has been put through uh, historically? And, What's been approved what in other areas? Yeah, in that area. I remember, uh, you know, from from my experience with uh, listed buildings, one of the interesting dynamics with a listed building is the vagaries of the um, of the conservation team because it's far more subjective and less sort of cut and dried in terms of some of the uh, the things you can and can't do. What I've found always amazingly useful is actually having an architect with me when we're walking around a project looking at what might be done. Somebody that's already got that relationship and is actually able to reference some of the things that have been decided on before. Oh, you remember it's very similar to what happened here or what happened there or what we agreed on the last one. And that's so useful um, when it comes to almost backing your corner in your in, in what it is that you're trying to achieve the architect's got a, a view and and is able to then share that and i think that three-way conversation works a lot better than potentially just a, a one-on-one with the conservation team that's right so your architect is definitely your friend 100 percent. wow we learn something new every day don't we okay so this sort of overdevelopment pushing ahead i can see as you say that absolutely goes hand in hand with getting you on early because you can stop us doing that give us a give us another one of your five points okay so an architect, as well as making the building aesthetically pleasing, with that actually to design space. So we can make it more efficient, whether it's okay. 10 buildings or seven flats. You know, that's the idea of an architect. And a lot of people don't really realise that. They think we're just there. So if we're bought on at a later stage, we, you know, we can gloss around the building, but we can't physically change what's already been designed. I think you should say that perhaps there's a misconception sometimes when an architect just makes the thing look pretty. Does That's the right. elevations, um, you often perhaps sometimes get architectural landscapers mixed up with architects. But yeah, you're going to make it look nice. Whilst you're going to do that, you're saying here there's a much more important exercise, and definitely from a developer's point of view there is, is, is how the space how we can maximize the space in the building and make the space work as well that's right especially on complicated sites where they're not squares or rectangles you know we can make the building very efficient that's the idea it's like putting a jigsaw puzzle together i mean look at the the scheme where we we converted uh an old warehouse might you won't be familiar with the scheme but it had lots of odd angles Mm. and and shapes and stuff to it and exactly there there the architect you know we had a basic idea what we wanted to do but to comply with building regs and the, all the technical side of it, 
he absolutely he, he and his team flushed out to get the five flats in that we wanted it was difficult but uh, their skill set was that space planning so yeah that's a really good point about getting getting that working do you think developers perhaps sometimes don't realize that i don't think they do especially when we're designing and like you say yeah while we're designing we are thinking of regulations so yes. we're not going to design something that doesn't work because eventually you're going to come back to us and ask us for building regs drawings and if we turn around at that point and say it's not going to happen yeah, so we could. So you, you're looking at things like escape distances and all those sort of things, and disabled access when it's needed. Everything, yeah. Um, so taking all the building regs into consideration while we're designing at an early stage. I presume yeah. you also take into account how the space works. So um, it's it's one thing doing block planning and thinking, well, I, this is what I can fit in, but actually, if it's completely unusable as a space or it's, it kind of doesn't really work for somebody living there, then you, you know you know that. Straight that out of the that goes on to another point of the target market. Ah. Did you see the way I did oh, that? Oh, yeah. Just straight totally, into totally, that. Totally professional. So is this, is this your third point, target market? <laughs> this could be the third point, yes. Go for it. The target market, who are you developing or building for? There's no point putting a block of flats in, in a residential, like purely residential street. Apart from not achieving planning because you, you'll be so out of character, yeah. you know, you need to find out who are these flats or houses being sold to. What is your target market? And again, so it's interesting, you... you you're saying this because clearly you've had a lot of developers that's come to you over the years that are wanting to develop something out, which as an architect, part of your remit is to say, well, are you developing the right thing out here? For the site, that's right. And you're finding there's developers that aren't. They're not developing the right Correct, thing. Correct, yeah. The number of times that we get developers that are trying to overdevelop and then trying to develop, say, something that doesn't fit in the area is pretty high. You know, surprising, isn't it, really? But mm. I mean, I guess I can see how that comes about because if you don't do the whole exercise, we major a lot on doing your market demographics. Who are you selling it to? It's a big thing when we try and teach people is that's a big end you don't want to have a look at. Clearly, people aren't, aren't doing that. And I'm guessing then your developer numbers take over and you go, well, I want to put 10 flats on this site. But as you say, it could be a purely uh, you know, street full of houses. That's right. uh, and then suddenly throwing 10 flats in there one, you might not get planning, so I'm guessing it goes back to that original point, but also you might not have the people that want to live there because there's no cafe culture, young professionals don't want to live there, there's no bus routes or whatever, it's all family orientated. That's right, and obviously with stuff, when it comes to stuff like that, Richie, um, new developers tend to get really personal. Do they? They get really, yeah. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. Really personal, as in they're designing for themselves. They seem to lose track that this is a business, this yeah. is a development. Yeah. Of the number so the that's the new right the corner. new developers that come in and that, again this is something we often say to people you've, you've got to think with your head not your heart mm. don't get emotional about yeah. it it's not a car no it's is not a car thinking? oh back on cars did I tell you I was thinking of, no, no, no no we'll come back no, to no, that no, no. Um, but yeah so that's a really interesting point and if we get a new developer coming in to see you and they inevitably fall into that trap because maybe it's their first scheme you're point that out to them we do try yes we do ultimately it's client's prerogative but we do try and point this out that you're not designing a house for yourself to live in yeah we're trying to make money so that's good i like that you see because it would be so easy for you just to sort of pamper us as a new developer and say oh great fantastic but you're not you're going to say no we're quite brutal yeah we're I mean, quite I think, and that's, that's yeah, so that's important good. and that's the type of architect that you want 
because we've what, brutal. Heard... <laughs> honest. Is your architecture honest. brutal? Was it just your approach? <laughs> We're honest. But but so often we've heard stories uh, and we've encountered situations where architects have designed something. Uh, it, it, sometimes it goes one of two ways. It can be designed something that is the style that they are because they're a particular type of architect and maybe they're that they are you know, maybe quite edgy and that's that's the way they design stuff or they've simply designed what they've been asked to design without actually putting any a great deal of intelligence yeah. into why or, or whether it would work and and so what happens then is the developer gets the product he may have spent quite a few thousand pounds with the architect to get uh, a set of plans but it doesn't work and of course the architect hasn't necessarily done anything wrong because it's just delivered the brief but what you really want is an architect that can have a a friendly uh, and potentially brutal conversation with you at the start uh, that says i think you might want to rethink this because that's probably not what you want to build uh, in this particular on this particular project and i think again for me it's about you know all my years in the business it's about picking the the slightly more commercially orientated architects that's that's important Mm. you know you run your own business and 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 that's great so you know you have to make your own business work and i think that's good because you're probably going to look at it from a business perspective and think okay you want my business to work because if you design me something that doesn't work and i'm not going to sell it I'm not going to come back to you again because I'm going to fail. Correct. Yeah. So I think a commercially, an, an architect with a commercially orientated sort of mind is what is what you want. So I, I love the fact you said that. Okay. Have you got a have you got a fifth point for us? Let's see what you've got here. Okay. So sustainability and going green Ooh. seems to be a big one at mm. the minute. So a lot of people think this is expensive, and yes, it can be. However, if your architect's on board early enough, things can be designed in. Whether it's orientation of the houses, flats to get less solar gain, um, designing things in from an early stage. So what do you mean by that? A lot of people are thinking, what's that about? This is about how you position the the The, flats in accordance with the sun, yeah? That's right. Positioning whether it's the whole block or how the flats internally are laid out. So having bathrooms in certain areas, like the back of the site if it's south-facing, to get less solar gain. So this is where the architect can really add value. And if we have lots of solar gain, what problems would that cause us? Um, heat. So we've got a huge amount of heat in these apartments, that, if we were talking about apartments, or yeah. an office, and we can't get rid of it, we've got to air condition it and stuff like That's that. That's right. So so this whole, you're looking much further ahead on these green issues. That's right. That, uh, I'm guessing we have to comply with some of these. You're gonna, you do currently, but it's going to get stricter as we move up. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So so you're going to have to comply with some of these, but even if you didn't have to comply, you, you could end up designing something if you don't make conscious of this that, that's unpleasant to live in. That's right. And we're not going to sell. So that's another another great thing. And you, what's the, the, the current position on planning with a lot of these sustainability and green issues? So it is being forced in some areas, so solar panels. So yeah. in domestic properties, 2025, gas boilers won't be allowed to use. So we'll be going for um, um, ground source heat pumps. Yep. Um, air source heat pumps so it is coming in so it is worth considering at an early stage and trying to be as efficient as you can on the building and so at your point you said they can be expensive but you want to design them in are you saying that if if you don't think of this as an early stage with your concept and this whole like the basic orientation of the building yeah if you have to then bring them in because the planning's going to force you that's going to be very expensive then it is and it's going to make your buildings look ugly because you'll end up with plant on the outside of your building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Potentially, yeah. or in areas that you don't want it. So 
it will detract from the street scene and selling. And I'm guessing as well that if, we, if we've if we gone through the various sort of design stages, if we don't think it is early enough, we're going to have to go back and revisit design that's going to slow our program down. If we've already bought the site, the finance costs mm-hmm. are all ticking because time is money yep. for, all, for all developers. And I get, I guess ultimately it comes back to the sellability as well. You want to create a nice, pleasant environment to, to make it sellable. Yeah, you want, you want to design something that looks like it's been designed and not afterthoughts yeah. of adding certain things onto the building. So if it can all be designed in at day one, you will save money in the long run. And you do you find, I mean, we can come back to this point about bringing you on early enough, you get a lot of developers who don't, and then you're just trying to have to make the best of a bad job and work it, and then it ends up, you know, not, not the best solution. We do get involved, and yes, we are glossing over, because once you've got planning, you're pretty much set on where windows are. Yeah. So mm. it's a lot harder, and obviously a lot more costly. Wow. Interesting. Some good points. Very good, good points. points. One question I've got, mate, in terms of somebody, a developer just starting out, who might not know... Uh, an architect uh, obviously there are a way you, know, you could go on google uh, they could look yourselves up but actually if um, wherever they're based what would be the best way of going about finding a decent architect how would you uh, okay so the riba website will okay. list all chartered architects so that's your long list that's the long list and then you would look in your local area and look at the websites Word of mouth. Word of mouth is always a good one as well. Word and, of mouth. And yeah. uh, if I was to ask you for sort of references, how would that work? If I so if I found somebody, you won't get any off Mike. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, no. Clarify that you want to ask for good references. Good references. <laughs> yes. Um, so so I've, I've found you. I think you look good. Somebody's told me. A few people have said that you're great. If I wanted to, then just kind of check you out a little bit further and get some references. Is that what? That's you'd fine. Be yeah. We. An architect yeah. To do? Architects will provide references. Um, an architect's only as good as his last project. Right. That's a bit like, I was just thinking, because some of yours, we've we've driven past some of your um, stuff that you've built over the years, Richie. Um, and, uh, yeah. It's still standing. That's and what it is still standing, say, which is yeah. kind of reassuring. Uh, we wouldn't, you know, like the hotels that you built, we wouldn't stay in. Um, but... <laughs> But it's still so there. Kind. But it's that's, so that's kind. an interesting point. As good as your last project. That's so you're right. living on the edge every, every day. <laughs> fantastic. Mike, that's absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for coming in today and sharing uh, the five five things that we could all learn from, I think. It's not just new developers, actually existing developers as well. I should have those things in mind when they engage with architects. I think the standout one for me in all of that is, is get your architect have that conversation early, yeah. uh, get them in from the start, and who knows what you'll get from that. Not only you'll get some sound advice on your project, but you may be able to unlock some relationships with other professionals and things can go in a whole uh, new direction for you. So, uh, Mike, thank you so much for coming in, and good luck with the new car. Yes. Hope it works out for you. Thank you. Here we are. We'll be like brothers. Fantastic. Well, I'm afraid that's all we've got time for in this episode. Join us again next time when we'll be giving you the inside track on another part of the property world. In the meantime, please feel free to check out the other episodes. And, of course, you can visit our website, which is at propertyceo.co.uk. But until next time, it's goodbye from all of us here. Bye. Bye.